Make sure to give my dad a five-star review. Get, make sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube. And thank you for listening and enjoy the show. show. <laughs> As your president, I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and oppression of a hateful foreign ideology. Believe me. What happens to transgender service members now? Are they immediately thrown out of the military? That's something that the Department of Defense and the White House will have to work together as uh, implementation takes place and is done so Happy Pride Month, and thanks for listening to Faithful Politics. I'm your politics host, Will Wright, and I'm joined by the faithful pastor of Short Palm Community Church, Josh Bertram. If this is your first time listening, we are excited you're here. And if you haven't already, please check out our website at faithfulpoliticspodcast.com, where you can catch up on past episodes, read our blogs, and find out what the Cylons were really up to. Anyways... Um, we are beginning a multi-part series about issues surrounding the LGBTQ community. And based on many of the comments I'm seeing on our Facebook group, I feel this is a, a topic that people have a lot of strong opinions about. So in the spirit of today's White House, nepotism will help guide our discussion today. And we have a very special guest, the mother-in-law to Pastor Josh uh, Kelly. So how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. <laughs> and just so, to be clear, Will, I, I'm very neutral on all of these issues. It's totally right. <laughs> right in the middle. Right right in the middle of all the LGBTQ uh, issues? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just so, I'm cool as a cucumber when it comes to all this stuff. <laughs> Level-headed. <laughs> yeah. No issues yeah. at all. Yeah, I think those are all the terms most people would, would define you by. Yeah, um, I figured. Yeah. So so Kelly, um how uh how long have you been a mother in law to Josh? Josh and Ashley will be married ten years this August. Oh, wow. And uh, has has he been a good son in law? He's a great son in law. He takes good care of our daughter. He's a great dad. Thanks, mm. Mom. Yeah, we love him. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, now, now, cr- correct me if I heard you right, but right before the show in the green room, I, I believe you said you something about you having doubts about letting your daughter marry Josh. Uh, can you elaborate on that? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, I know a little bit about you. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that you know, I, I heard what I heard. So, anyways, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, when when it, when it comes to issues surrounding um, LGBTQ plus, um, I'm I'm going to be the first to admit that I'm fairly ill-equipped um, to speak about the topic with any sense of relatability. Because as a straight man, I can't begin to understand what it's like to to have feelings about yourself or others and feel like you have to keep it like to to yourself. So I'm. So I'm hoping over the next couple episodes, we can kind of gain some perspective from people who have real life experience that can, I don't know, like help increase everybody's knowledge. And and one of the reasons we have Kelly here is because um, Kelly is a mother to a gay son. 
Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. Yeah. Now, now, now tell us, tell us a little bit like about, about that. Um, it, 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 I know it may seem trivial to, to you and maybe even to some of our listeners, but you know, like kind of, kind of just describe, describe like, you know, like that, I don't want to say process, but you know, like describe your first reaction when your, when your son uh, came out to you. Yeah, actually, it's not trivial at all because I'm a pastor's wife. Um, and so I grew up rather conservatively in a somewhat fundamental, you know, not like rigidly fundamental background, but that marriage was for a man and a woman. And when I had a son and I held him and we dedicated him, I prayed for his future wife. Like there was no question in my mind that there was even any other way that this would go. You know, um, I just thought that was a choice that people made and they didn't believe in God or weren't trying to follow him. And they chose to live this lifestyle for some reason. So when Caleb came out to us, he was in um, medical school and he had just taken one of his tests and we took him out to celebrate and um, he loves his nieces and nephews. And we were talking about them and he was saying how cute they are. And so my husband, Gil, um, said, Caleb, when are you going to give us grandchildren, settle down, get married? And he just turned ashen. Hmm. And I just, I mean, I hmm. didn't suspect that he was gay or anything. But at that moment, I just looked at him and I said, Caleb, are you attracted to men? Hmm. And he just shook, like he just was so terrified Mm. to tell us. And my husband, being the man of God that he is, just stood up from the table, walked over and hugged him and said, Caleb, we love you. And I got up and we just hugged him and we held him. And Hmm. he didn't apologize. Um, He didn't need to. He just needed to know that we still loved him. And so for the next few days, we struggled with our beliefs because, again, you know, for me, core belief is a very solid value for me. You know, my belief in God, the way I think the Bible is interpreted, it it is a very important thing to me. So I really struggled with, wow, you know, is he going to go to heaven? Um, how can I help my son follow the Lord. My husband took two days, just kind of took two days off work just to seek God and really study scripture. And he took notes and journaled. And um, after two days of just really, I mean, you know, it's nothing in the realm of life, but two days of just really actively pursuing God. And how do we, how do we, treat our son through this? Where do we go with this? Where do we go with our church with this situation? When do we tell them? How do we tell them? How will they Mm. receive it? Yeah. Um, He could not justify that gay marriage, you know, again, I'm saying we're interpreting what we interpret. I'm not saying that's gospel. Um, We won't find out everything until we get to heaven. Right. But um. What he came home with is, I don't agree with the gay lifestyle, but I also 
cannot get away from the fact that God loves everyone and Mm. we are all sinners in need of the grace of God. And so we have to love our son. And so Mm. that was kind of the beginning of accepting him right where he is for who he is. Wow. That, that, that's a, that's super powerful, you know, and, and I, I, I've told, um, my wife, and I think I've even told this to uh, pastor Josh, you know, I said, I said, my, my oldest, um, he's, he loves art. He draws rainbows and everything. And like, you know, he's a great dancer. And I don't know if this is just a normal six-year-old. It's the only one I've ever had. So I've got, I've got no real sort of like point of reference to determine if, if the way he's behaving is like normal six-year-old boy or, or something else, you know, but like, I don't, I don't like dwell too much on it because I'm just like, um, you know, like if he's gay, he's gay. I'm going to love him just the same. Nothing's going to happen, you know? And, and I often think to myself, like I, I look at my child and I look at other um, children of God that, that are gay. And I think to myself, you know, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, my child going through life every day, having people of faith, telling him there's something wrong with him you know like because i would like i would never do that (laughs) you know like i would i'd hug him i'd treat him just exactly the same you know i would there would be nothing different you know but yet like as christians like we we do do that there's a person in our facebook group that used the word like super sin which i really enjoyed um and and it is weird that the church does sort of like you know, laser guide our focus on this particular thing. So I'm, so I'm curious on like, how, how did the church react? You know, so your, your husband's a, a pastor. Right. Um, like how, how did like, like ex- explain that if you could. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and actually it's funny, you know, <laughs> talking about your son, who knows if he'll end up heterosexual, homosexual, but um, Caleb did win a contest for a, painting he made in kindergarten that went to like a fine arts type fair and he won a prize for his rainbow saurus and we have that hanging (laughs) in our basement (laughs) it's adorable (laughs) um but anyway as far as the church goes i gil was um very open with his staff you know just for prayer support and this is what we're facing And we really feel we need to love our son. You know, we've seen situations where kids come out to their Christian parents and, you know, pastors specifically, and they are excommunicated from their family or the church. And that's so sad, you know, totally lose the relationship. And we did not want that to happen. And so um, I'm a teacher. So when I tell my friends at school, it was like, yay, celebrate. You know, there was no pushback. Mm -hmm at all where I work. But as far as the church, we were quite fearful and dreading um, how to present this. And so we kind of kept this all in the closet for a while because Mm -hmm. we didn't know how to present it to the church. And so um, Gil asked me when he shared it with the body that I would be with him and I would share my story as Caleb's mom and how God spoke to both of us and mm-hmm. why we decided to go to his wedding. Um, mm-hmm. I did share with a few people that um, I trusted and confided in. And 
years previous, our daughter, our youngest daughter had had an affair and got pregnant in that affair. So our beloved other son-in-law was all of a sudden cut from our lives. And that was extremely difficult. But the church embraced us and they gave her a shower for the baby and just supplied everything she needed. And that won her back to the Lord. You know, eventually in her own Mm -hmm. time, she just came back to the Lord, married the father of her baby. And she was so readily embraced by the body. Now, when we shared about Caleb, Hmm. we did not receive that from everyone. Hmm. We received some people who said, hey, I understand I have a gay nephew or I have a gay cousin or I have a child that's transgender. We had people that were coming to us that could relate, but we also had people that were like, yeah, we understand what happened with your daughter or we understand, you know, people living together in sin, but this... All of a sudden, like you said, the super sin, but this, this was a different story. You know, how could we accept Caleb with this, what they're classifying as the unpardonable sin, which is not in the Bible, is the unpardonable sin. It just was a different issue that was harder to have the church, you know, I'm not asking them to accept, um, the belief, uh, you know, change their belief of the Bible or their foundation of what the Bible's saying. I'm just asking them to accept us and what we felt we needed to do with our son and that they would love my son. That's what Jesus would do. I have no doubt. Yeah. No, no, no. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk, especially when you say that, you know, you kept this information from the congregation for, you know, a, a specific duration of time until you guys kind of felt comfortable, you know, telling people and yet, you know, your, your son, and I'm sure countless others, you know, who are in the closet, you know, keep like that exact same thing, you know, close to their chest. (laughs) And, 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 and I couldn't even imagine, you know, just living, living that way. You know, it's kind of like, like, and this is probably going to be a really bad sort of analogy, but I'm just thinking about like when I'm in high school or something like that, and I have a crush on somebody, like it doesn't take long before like somebody finds out I've got a crush on that person, you know, (laughs) because like my facial expression, probably my pheromones, like everything is just sort of like just blinking red lights, you know, that, that I'm attracted to this person, but if you are in the closet, like you, you really have this level of self-control that, that I think oftentimes probably goes, um, you know, or, or, or gets discounted because you have to hold this in, or you feel like you have to hold this in, especially if you're in a church environment, because you just know how persecuted you are, you know, or will be anyways. And, you know, it's, it's so, so, like how, uh, like, have you, have you talked to your son about, you know, like how long has he sort of been holding this in? What were some of the struggles, you know, was, was the fact that, you know, his father was a pastor, one of the reasons, you know, he kind of waited for so long or, or, um, or what? Yes. He told us, we asked him what it was like growing up in a pastor's home and being gay and, he said it was extremely difficult because as loving as we try to be to everyone, 
Um, I don't remember that we made remarks or criticism or said things um, that would have been offensive, but he said he picked up on things that we weren't sensitive to. Um, He also shared that he would pray every night that he would wake up straight. He would wake up attracted to women and he always had girlfriends on and off and, you know, girls that were just amazing and perfect. And we'd say, wow, you know, what about her? What, why aren't you, you know, becoming more serious with her? And he's like, oh, there's just no chemistry. It's just not there. And we never picked up on that. (laughs) Um, So it was just really hard for him. And I'm sure being in the ministry, he knew that that would be really difficult for us. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. Now, now because of sort of the, the, the nature of the next couple of uh, episodes we, we plan on having, um, I, I do think it's probably fitting that, that at least both Josh and myself, um, kind of at least, at least lay our cards on the table about where, where we stand personally, um, you know, spiritually, emotionally, um, you know, about, about, um, folks in the LGBTQ community, you know, and, and, and maybe what are some of the sticking points, um, or, or things that we've struggled with, um, with regard to that. So Josh, if you wouldn't mind, um, just kind of let us know how you feel. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, Josh Bertram here, faithful host of the Faithful Politics Podcast. I want to let you know about a compelling new spinoff, The Faith Roundtable, where I'll be interviewing top faith leaders, theologians, and scholars to unpack the pressing issues that are shaping the church in America today. We'll dive into topics like faith and public life, social justice, and how we can engage our communities more effectively. Make sure you don't miss any of our enlightening conversations by subscribing to it on our YouTube channel. Join me at the Faith Roundtable, where deep discussion meets thoughtful insight. Sure, and you're going to hear my daughter in the background here, my <laughs> one-year-old daughter who is awesome and crying, <laughs> and currently trying to get into the room. Um, but... What I would say is that, um, you know, so Caleb came out to Ashley and I um, probably three, like it was the same year that that happened with Kelly and Gil. And after that happened, um, we were actually on a trip um, for... It was a vacation, and I remember it. It's so funny because I remember it so clearly. Like, we were laying there, like, in this bed. Like, Ashley and Caleb were, like, kind of laying talking, and I was, like, sitting in a chair. And it's like, I got to tell you guys something. Or Ashley actually came and got me. She's like, hey, Caleb wants to talk to us. And I was like, okay. And um, I went up, and he basically said, hey, guys, I just want to let you know. And that you know that I'm gay and and we're like okay man I was like we're like thanks for letting us know and we love you and and um it was a pretty profound moment actually and I remember before then thinking like I almost talked to Caleb and said hey are you like essentially I almost like I felt this deep inside like are you really 
being who you really are. I almost said that to him a few times. Like, are you mm-hmm. like, I feel like there's just something you're not telling people or I'm not telling us your family. Like I feel yeah. like you're one way with your friends and you're another way with us. And I just want you to know that you don't have to be anything different with me than who you are. Mm-hmm. And my, what I said then is the same thing I would say now. Um, I don't want Caleb or his husband, David, to be anything different than what they are now and what who they truly are. I'm not interested in learning or knowing um, a portrait of someone that they want me to know about them and not who they truly are. I've kind of always been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel that way. And that being said, I do, I, I have a very conservative view. If you, you know, I'm, you know, what to, to put in a very just easy, easy category, it would be a conservative view of the Bible, conservative view of marriage um, I do believe that marriage in its core is between a man and a woman. It's, it's geared towards the rearing and bearing of children. And I know that's controversial, but it's what I, it's what I believe. And it's, I've done a lot of study on it and, um, it's what I truly believe. And I think that's what the scripture says. Um, I don't think that someone who is homosexual in some ways or, attracted one thing is that homosexual that term is a modern term right so when you go back to the scriptures there was no sense of the way we talk about it would be an anachronism if you were to go back to say the apostle paul or something like that like um, maybe the concept was there two people in a romantic relationship but same-sex marriage things like that um, or even the kind of this modern sense of an identity was not at least in what we can tell from what I understand was not something that was like understood or, or readily available in terms of a mental tool that they could use at that point. Um, so that is, you know, that is where I stand. I, um, uh, but, but what I was going to say is that all, what I don't mean is that someone who has same sex attraction or someone who even identifies as homosexual um, gay or lesbian or transgender or any of that, I, I don't. Um, I don't think that it's somehow an unforgivable sin. I don't think that somehow God loves them less. I don't mm-hmm. think that they are. You know, they've somehow like they're beyond um, help or anything like that. Um, I don't think that. You know, I, I think that someone can. Um, like just like any of us, we are saved by the grace of God. I mean, I said I answered one of your questions that you put into the Facebook group. Which, if you're listening, please join us on our Facebook group at uh, Faithful Politics Podcast. You can look up the group, and um, but one of the things you said, Will, was can someone be homosexual and be saved? And to me, the question is obvious. Um, and again, it all depends on how you define all those things, right? Um, and kind of the point is that you leave it a bit ambiguous. So people are kind of just really saying what they think, <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, is that, yes, you can. I mean, I have no doubt about that in my mind. I mean, Jesus salvation is about having faith in Christ and you're saved by grace, um, alone. It's not that you're righteous. It's not that you're good. It's not that one of my favorite verses that Jesus came to, uh, seek and save the lost, and he came to save those who were, um, I love one of the translations that said, Jesus came to save those who 
not he didn't come for those who thought they were um uh like basically who thought they were righteous before God, but the people who knew that they weren't. And I, I love that because I've, I've felt that many, many times, but that is my, you know, my basic sense is, you know, it's a conservative view. It's a view I've thought about, prayed about, worked through a lot. Um, and that's where, yeah, that's where I stand. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I appreciate your, your openness to, to kind of share that. And, you know, for, for me, um, my, my story or my beliefs are really somewhat grounded in my days before, um, I was a Christian because I mean, like before I was a Christian, there was a lot of different reasons I had for not wanting to, um, drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And, and, you know, one of them was like, well, I I don't want to I don't want to believe in this God because then all of a sudden I have to like hate gays because that's all I've ever seen you know like 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 my impression of what it meant to be a Christian was basically just what I see just using my eyes you know I see you know whether it's like the Westboro Baptist Church which I think we'll probably talk more about in another episode or right. you know like just just talking to other Christians who say, yeah, all gays are going to go to hell, you know? And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound very nice. You know, like, like I don't, I don't want to join that club, you know, right. because like I've got lots of gay friends, you know, and I love them and I think they're awesome. And, and like, you know, it, <laughs> I hope this isn't going to sound bad, but like we had a discussion once about like stereotypes and, um, and I made a comment that not all stereotypes are bad, well, like for some reason, I think gay men are some of the funniest people like on the planet. And I'm <laughs> sorry if I've offended anybody, but like, I'm like, you are, if you're listening to this and you're a gay man, you're probably hilarious. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and these are, these are the friends that I've had. I'm like, oh, I love these people, you know, but, but as I sort of grew to, to know, or as I, as I started to grow to know God, um, you know, I, I, I kind of learned and adopted that, that God kind of created me the way I am and all the people I love before I was a Christian, I can still love, I can still pour into them. I can, I can just, I'm like, my love power is just supercharged, you know, cause I've got God mm -hmm. behind me and, you know, like having a belief in God is, was probably the least confirmational bias thing I could ever do. Cause it went against everything that I like, like believed in the first place. So, right. you know, um, so I, I, I was really challenged quite a bit. I'm still challenged. I'm not, not going to lie, you know, but, but the, the way I feel about people in sort of like the LGBTQ community is just, I just love them. I don't spend a whole lot of time, um, thinking about their lifestyle. Like, like just, just in the same manner. I don't think, of, I don't think about the, like, sexuality my straight friends have with their respective girlfriends, boyfriends or whatever. I just don't think about it. You know, like I just, I treat them as people, <laughs> the people that may have a husband or wife of the same gender, sure. you know, and I'm, and that's just kind of where I'm, I'm at. And, and biblically, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of different verses in the Bible that say one thing or another, but really a, lo a lot of my, um, a lot of my, 
belief and thought process um, about the issue really revolves um, or is grounded, I would say, probably like in Proverbs 6 at 16 through 19. And and I won't recite it for you, but basically there's like six or seven things that God hates. Um, and, you know, being gay isn't one of them. Um, so I take that to mean that I probably shouldn't really spend a whole lot of time making making that issue bigger than it needs to be when God is saying, Hey, Hey, here's some of the things I really, really hate, you know, and, and, uh, and, and and gay people getting married or whatever, like that's not one of them. So I'm like, cool. Six or seven is about as much as I can take, you know, like I can remember those, you know, like I don't need to add another one. So, um, so with that, I just sort of just live out the tenets of my faith and just love on people. Um, and, and just treat them just like, like Jesus would. I mean, cause like to Kelly's point, I think that, um, or, or to your point, I think that Jesus doesn't really care. Like Jesus will probably be like in the gay bars, hanging out with folks, just getting to know them, you know, and them getting to know this guy and they're like, Hey, I kind of like, I kind of like what that dude's saying, you know, he makes me well, feel good, you know? And, and like, and I think that's sort of like, that's lost in kind of the, the, the Christian, you know, mantra. Like I, I, I heard this really good pastor say, um, last Saturday, um, on a zoom call talking about detoxing yourself from like your, <laughs> your, your Christianity or, or something like that. So I'm probably going to butcher it. So I won't say the pastor's name in case I get it wrong. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but the way you explained that Josh was like, you were saying how, you know, Christians need to kind of detox from the way that they're used to doing church. You know, maybe the yeah. building isn't really the great, the the great end all be all, you know, maybe smaller communities, you know, and getting to know people, meeting them where they're at, you know, and, and, um, you know, and, and this, and this other, other pastor, you know, talked about, you know, if you really want to, you know, mentor somebody or make disciples, it's a Christianese term, you know, like you should look for people that are fat, you know, and, and fat is <laughs> faithful, available, teach, teachable. <laughs> so, you know, so like I, I, I just kind of follow those, those principles and go on in my life and do the things I, I need to do to just try to like represent Jesus the best way that I can, you know, yeah. and, and and I and I really do have a heart for for people in the LGBTQ community only because I think in the context of everything that's going on in the country right now with discrimination, equality, all of that, um, I really do think that um, folks in the LGBTQ community can really relate to a lot of the. Um, trials and tribulation that people of color and minorities in the country have, have undergone because I mean, I mean, right now, you know, like I can go join the military, but if I'm a transgendered man, I can't go join the military. Like the, the same, I can't go and participate and be a, a, a patriot in you know, the, the military of the country that I love. And I just think that's horrible, you know, or if, if I'm a, you know, um, you know, prior to the Supreme court decision just last week, you know, like an employer, you know, could fire me if I, you know, say if I came out and said I was gay or I was tri transgendered, 
Um, and, you know, oddly enough, you know, the, um, uh, the Trump appointee, Neil Gorsuch, he was the one that wrote the, the opinion. And, you know, one of the lines he said was like an employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender defies the law. And I just think that's like, like, to me, that doesn't mean anything because I know I can't be fired for say being black, but like, but to a person that, that may have been fired, you know, or, you know, may have been fired because they came out like, like that, that's, that's something in the past now. And that's something to be celebrated. And I'm glad at least it happened kind of in, in pride month. So, so I don't know. I mean, like, like, uh, Kelly, do, do, do you have any sort of like thoughts? Um, or have you thought about, you know, maybe some of the discrimination that Caleb is facing or has faced, um, you know, since he's come out? I have, I mean, it hurts as a mom to know that your son could be ostracized because he's gay hmm. and it's not something he would have chosen. You know, I can take medication to help my anxiety, but he can't take a medication to make him straight. Um, yeah. So he, um, I know that, I mean, I, I assume there've been times in residency that, um, well, he's very well loved, as you said, you know, you're, you're stereotyping gay people is fun. Caleb is so much fun. I mean, we just laugh when we're together. He's goofy. He's compassionate. He's just incredible. Um, which is one of the many reasons we would never want to lose him as part of our family. He's just amazing. Um, but to think of people looking at him differently or ever making fun of him breaks my heart because he's just so awesome and amazing. And I know how much God loves him and he has so much favor. God has just gifted him. He's had wisdom in cases with he's a, he's a pediatrician. So just some things he's figured out, Hmm. um, medically, you know, I know God has just gifted him to think of things out of the box and he's won um, the medical school scholarship, which was $90,000. Wow. And, you know, he just time after time, he's just had so much favor. Um, even the position he just got in the Dayton area, you know, it's, he has mm-hmm. friends that are looking for jobs and are having trouble getting them. And he had five offers on the table and got to kind oh my of gosh. what he wanted. Wow. So as a mom, it always hurts to know your kids could possibly be mistreated because of who they are of something they can't even help and a loving incredible person could be mistreated just because of you know being gay or whatever the scenario might be yeah Um, now now josh what what are what are your thoughts on um so there was a campaign i think it's still active but um for some time i think in the news you there's this movement called pray the gay away. Um, like I'd love to kind of know your thoughts on, on that as a pastor. My thoughts on if someone can. Yeah. So, so if their, if their orientation can change. Yeah. There, there, there is a big movement. Um, and I, I believe, and I'm probably going to get fact checked on this, but, 
but uh, it was sort of instituted by um, Mike Pence, um, where where it was it was basically you know this movement where 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 pastors or there's sort of like this rehab type of place where folks would go. Um, right. Oh yeah, the conversion therapy. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Conversion therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my thoughts on that, um, it's obviously a very complex issue. So there's two things I would say. Number one, I would say the idea that someone who is homosexual somehow chooses that is, is, um, I think is a, um, defeated point, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of choosing to feel a certain way or be attracted to, um, whatever it is, you know, not whatever it is. What I mean is to be attracted to someone of the same sex or anything like that. Um, I think we all choose to engage in the, uh, behaviors that we choose to do. Um, but to say that we choose the behaviors that we want to do is a completely different thing. Um, so the reason I'm saying that is I don't think anybody, I don't think someone, yeah, I used to like the thing that, um, Kelly said was that, you know, she used to think that people just chose to do this and she didn't understand why. Well, I've evolved very much in that sense that I don't think that's true at all, that someone chooses to feel a certain way about this or that. Um, I think that someone who has a same sex attraction, um, does not choose that, but that is something that, um, again, from what I understand, we don't know exactly what makes it what it is. If it's a, some combination of epigenetic uh, development that occurs. Um, some I've seen some studies that say in the womb, some studies say in early childhood, some studies say we don't know. I mean, it's just the kind of that classic, like, well, it's a mixture of nature and nurture. There's some things that happen and then um, the environment brings certain, you know, whatever it is, the gene expression, and it may be just even hormonal and not, genetic at all. So it's, it's hard to tell in terms of that. Um, so my, my only point in saying all that is that do, um, is that I don't think there's a choice, a conscious choice involved. Um, mm. so on the one side, I think that the church, one of the things that the church has done is that we've said, okay, um, okay, this, the, the way we, we need to just say that homosexuals need to be um, we need to save them through, through heterosexuality. <laughs> I think that is extremely misguided. Yeah. Um, heterosexuality doesn't save anybody. Um, all of us um, have had, I, I truly believe, and this actually this view is from someone called Rosario Butterfield. She was a, um, she was a, a, a lesbian professor at Syracuse University. She's written several books. And she actually, um, you know, became a Christian and in her profession, her orientation has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are people that have said my orientation has changed. Mm-hmm. I had a struggle or they've found the ability to be attracted to women if they're, um, you know, if they're men or, or, or men, if they're women, um, so I couldn't say that they're lying. I couldn't look at their testimony and say they're just making it up. First mm-hmm. um, Corinthians seven, um, Paul outlines several things. Not seven. It was seven. No, it's six. 
essentially what he says is, you know, it's one of his famous lists where he says, you know, adulterers and kidnappers and and gluttons and idolaters and, and men who have sex with men. I mean, that's the literal translation. Again, we, our modern translations try to put it in our parlance. And so they'll say something like homosexuality. But again, the idea of orientation is a modern one in, in the way that we frame it. Mm-hmm. And so the literal word is men who have sex with men. And actually um, it goes as far to say in those verses in that end in first Timothy, um, these words that would mean both men who um, not to be crude, but are the, are, are on the receiving side, the passive side, and those who are on the active side of the sex act. It literally has both those words hmm. um, that Paul uses and, and is talking about behavior and he, and he makes this long list though. And again, that is in a list of many other different things, right? People who like disobey parents, you know what I mean? <laughs> and all this stuff. And he puts them in this list and he said, that's what some of you were, but you've mm-hmm. been sanctified, justified, and you've been changed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I would have to look at that and say, there were people in the church of Corinth that, were engaging in that kind of activity and whatever, since we would look at to say there's an orientation there, they stopped and they were, there was some kind of transformation there. And I do believe that the gospel brings transformation. So you have Christians um, who say that they will have this same sex attraction the rest of their lives. You have other people that have said they've been safe from them. I'm not going to call either of them, liars. That's not my place. Maybe that's too strong of a word. What I'm saying is I'm not going to judge either of their experiences. I'm going to say you have to take seriously the people that have said that they've been changed. And you have to take seriously the people that have said um, that they don't feel like they ever will. And you have to take seriously the people that have said, I love God and I love Jesus and I want to love my husband and I'm a man or I want to love my wife and I'm a woman. And and I'm and I'm and I'm trying to find interpretations of the Bible that help me with that. Do I think those are correct? Personally, I don't. But again, I'm th- very thankful that I'm not the judge of humanity, um, that God is, and that ultimately He's very gracious to all of us. So I do mm-hmm. think that it's possible for that healing to happen. I don't understand healing, whatever you want to say, for that transformation to happen. Maybe the reason I say that is some people might hear healing and they might think that's kind of offensive. Um, because they don't feel like they need to be healed. And that's legitimate if you feel that way. Um, but I um, I do believe that that transformation can happen. I don't think it happens to everybody. And I don't know why. Um, hmm. And one of the things that's been really interesting to me, like to watch this whole thing, is I've been like front row seat to kind of Kelly and Gil and their and and what they've had to go through with this. And it's been unbelievably inspiring for me um, to watch them um, have to wrestle through this. Because one of the things that I wonder sometimes is if people that haven't grown up in church or or maybe they've just totally so so much rejected that part of their upbringing or whatever it is, or they never understood it, they may look at someone who's evangelical. They may look at the media portrayals of them and say, man, they're just cruel and they're cold or what's wrong with them. They're just ignorant or they're just hateful and bigoted. 
And when I look at this, one of the things that gets missed is the legitimate struggle that many people, including myself and Gil and Kelly, had to go through to, to, to be faithful to the Bible and at the same time love the people that God has brought into their lives that, are, that, that have chosen either lifestyles we struggle with or have profoundly different interpretations of the Bible. And it's almost like that struggle is not acknowledged at times, um, or it's just seen as it's so clear to people and they just reject homosexuals outright, which just simply isn't true. Most of the people I know that I go to church with, they're believers, that isn't their attitude. Um, and, and although there are some, but most of the people it isn't. And one of the things that I actually wanted to ask uh, my mom, my mother-in-law about is there's been one of the things she related to me in the process was they got so so Caleb got married to his husband David and um uh and it was kind of a, a little bit of a quicker kind of ceremony um like th- we didn't have a lot of time is what I said to respond but they wanted to go out and there was a struggle that came there, and I thought it would be really cool. Well, if, if I can, um, Mom, if you would describe a couple things. One, the like, what was that experience like at that wedding, um, at that ceremony? And even secondly, the thing that I thought was so beautiful to me was when you're talking about you had a first dance with Caleb, which was very different than what you would have expected that your dance with your son would have been at his wedding. Um, but you that was such a profound moment for you. And I would just love for you to share that with, with us, um, however you want to. Sure. Um, we got a call from Caleb that he wanted to marry David. And he calls almost every night on his way home from work you know, 12, 14 hour days, exhausted, but just calls to check in. And, you know, we'd kind of gotten used to the fact that he was living with David and homosexual, but dreaded the moment that he may tell us he was actually getting married. I don't know. It's a whole different level for us. (laughs) So he called and said, well, I've decided to marry David. And I said, hold on, let me get your dad because I thought he should hear the news as well. So Gil came over to the phone and we said, okay, you know, I mean, he's a grown man. He's making his own decisions. We said, um, we support you and we love you. And we hung up the phone and initially we kind of thought there's no way we can go. Like, (laughs) how do we do this? How do we live this? How do we make a church happy and make God happy and make our son happy? How do you do this? There was no, I mean, yeah, there are books out there, but nothing personally that helps guide you through your walk Hmm. um, other than the Bible. And so we just really sought the Lord. And again, it came back to love. What would Jesus do? He would love. He would love and he will work. We are not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. So we... Gil asked Caleb, you know, is this important to you? And he said, yes. And he said, is it important that your mom and I are there? And he said, well, if, if you can make it now, you know, this was like 
a week and a half away. So we had to book flights. Um, California. Also, <laughs> yeah, from Ohio to California. And um, Ashley was pregnant at the time with their third. So she wasn't going to travel, you know, that quickly. And Aubrey, of course, had been through this story of Grace, our youngest daughter. So she wanted to go along with us. So we, the three of us booked a flight. We went out to L.A., um, but before that point, I was kind of moping during my devotional time about my son being gay and that I wouldn't be able to dance. What is devotional time? Oh, quick, devotional for- time, my time with the Lord, you know, reading scripture and a booklet with scriptures and thoughts and journaling and prayer time. And, you know, I was just thinking of Caleb and this event coming up and how I was just sad and kind of having a pity party that. I wouldn't be able to dance with my son as I dreamed my whole life. I would have that moment. You know, Gil not only had two dances with his daughter, our hmm. daughter got, you know, like younger daughter got remarried again. So he had three dances and that da- that daughter actually um, recorded a song for him to dance with her at her second wedding. So, you know, it's like he had three chances and I'm having none. And I felt God yeah. speak to my heart. Who told you you can't dance with your son? Wow. And I just kind of had this, like, I'm a pleaser anyway with people. And with God, it's, I really want to, I do not want to disappoint God. (laughs) So I really struggled, you know, when I heard, who told you you can't dance with him? And so I just was before God and said, wow, is this okay with you? I mean, I can, you want me to dance with him? Is that okay? And I really sensed his yes. And so I called Caleb and I said, I want you to pick out a song that we can dance to at your wedding. Mm. And he said, that would be really neat, mom. And apparently he hung up the phone after I spoke with him and called his sister Aubrey and just cried. Mm. And she helped him pick out a song. And it was actually by Taylor Hicks, Do I Make You Proud? Mm. And it says, this is what we dream about. But the only question with me now is, do I make you proud? When I danced with my son at his wedding and held him, I cannot tell you how much I felt the presence of Jesus in that moment. I felt like Jesus was hugging my son. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. I'm just saying his love was flowing through me in a way that I can't even explain. And we both just sobbed through the entire dance. I mean, to say that the Holy Spirit was so present in that wedding and that moment probably sounds like an oxymoron, but it is so real. And I can't, I cannot explain away the presence of God I felt. And I know my son felt in that moment. And Hmm. he will continue to call us and say, Mom, Dad, can you pray for me about this? Can you pray Hmm. about this? That door would not be open today, I believe, if we weren't open to loving him for who he yeah. is. Yeah. Wow. That, that That's really powerful. Um, Isn't it beautiful, man? And it's so brave. I mean, yeah, there really no. was a lot of risk that, you know, there was an enormous amount of risk that they faced with the church to make that decision to love their son in that way. And maybe to some people it sounds easy, but it is not easy in our context as pastors. Um, and anyway, I just wanted yeah. to emphasize that, that it, it isn't yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, well, we're super proud. Oh, um, 
Um, I, I was I was going to ask you, Josh, um, kind of as we kind of get close um, to finishing up is, you know, what 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 advice would you give um, to somebody that's in the LGBTQ community that is, you know, looking to get closer to God, um, but is scared or, you know, expecting discrimination, um, you know, amongst, amongst the congregants or the pastor or, or something like that, you know, like, like how do you, how, like, what would be your advice to somebody that, you know, is walking into a situation that, you know, we as Christians have, have, you know, been very vocal about, you know, like, I'm not saying me and you particularly, but, but just as the community as just sort of like laying our cards on the table and saying like, yeah, that's wrong, you know? Right. The first thing I would say is that don't try to go to every verse in the Bible. And I, here's what I'd say, focus on Jesus and don't try to go to every verse of the Bible and try to make it fit whatever you think. Just understand Jesus loves you. God loves you. He loves you no matter what you've done. He not, loves you no matter how you live. Um, focus on the fact that God loves you. And you are, none of us are saved by good deeds. We're not saved by living a righteous life. We're not saved because we're better than other people. We're saved solely and completely on the grace of God and what Jesus did on the cross. So what I would say is that all uh, all of our sexuality needs to be adjusted, every single person. Um, we're not looking for heterosexuality. We're looking for holy sexuality. And we need to go to the Lord and we need to allow him to talk to us. But the primary thing is that Jesus loves us so deeply, um, that so deeply that he died for us. If we were good enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to do what he did. And um, his, 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 what he did is, is large enough and deep enough and profound enough to cover everything. And for us to think that we couldn't, um, uh, that it isn't enough, that it just, um, that's just not true. So I think we can get all of us, Christians and those who aren't Christians, can get, help, can get um, held up on what does, this, what does this Bible verse say? What does that Bible verse say? What does this word say? When at the bottom line, dude, that's exactly what Jesus came and talked to the Pharisees about in terms of splitting every verse and all its little words and trying to parse out everything and trying to make sure that everything was perfectly understood. And yet they, they missed the bigger picture of justice, mercy, care, and love and compassion. The things that represent God um, in Jesus. So I think that um, focus on Christ and then find people you trust. Um, Be very, very careful about the kind of church you go to. I would encourage anyone to go to a church that is Bible believing, uh, very strong in doctrine, and yet very open. And they're not necessarily easy to find. (laughs) I get that. That's what we're trying to be in our church. Um, But they, because Jesus, like you said, well, um, Jesus would have been at gay bars. And I know of some people, 
are going to be angry that I said that. Um, but I really don't care because I think it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have been right there. They yeah. were so angry at him that he spent time with sinners mm-hmm. um, who they thought were sinners. Yeah. Know, I, I, people oh. Jesus loved. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say um, when – when my wife and I first got married um, and I came to Christ, we actually spent quite a bit of time in gay bars um, down in the <laughs> Capitol Hill district, which 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 is like the place where the the Chaz or the Chop is. Yeah, that the Capitol Hill district. That's like the the gay district of Seattle. Um, nice. My wife, my wife and I spent a lot of time down there, primarily because they played the best music. Um, and, uh, anyways, I'll just leave it at that. But, but, uh, but, but, but to to your point about the church, yeah, it's like, you know, every, every church that I've ever been to always, you know, has this sort of mantra, like come as you are, but, you know, um, and, and it's, it's like, they don't necessarily put that on the door. Like what, what comes after the butt? Um, right. and, and, uh, I'm only giggling because I'm still a 15 year old child. <laughs> um, but, um, but it would be nice though. Like if they did, you know, be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to go to that one, you know? Um, so no, I think those are wise words. Uh, Kelly, um, the last question I have for you is, you know, what, what would you tell other parents out there, you know, that has a son or daughter, you know, that might, um, you know, be struggling with like gender identity or with their sexuality or, you know, like, like what, 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 what are some wise words you would tell those parents, you know, to kind of, you know, create an environment or foster environment, you know, where, where them coming out wouldn't necessarily like have to be this like dramatic experience. I would encourage them to love them for who they are. Um, you know, we do have people in our church that came to us after we've shared our story and are in the same situation or have a child, um, you know, that is, was their son that is becoming a woman and some things that are pretty difficult to handle. Um, and they've found support with one another, you know, just sharing, their stories with one another and getting support that way. And um, I went to a lot of resources. I did a lot of reading. I was reading. um, I have a whole list, you know, I don't know if you have a, I I could go to your. um, We can send it over to Will to post on. Yeah. I have a whole list of books I read just to understand gay Christians and um, how they came to terms with that. You know, there's some people that, felt God called them to celibacy. There were some people that felt they were okay to be married to the same sex. There were some that, um, you know, um, one story in particular, his mom and dad were both gay, but he's straight. And so just growing up, like you said, you alluded to um, Christians being very hateful to gays. And he grew up with that, like just seeing people urinate on gay people in the crowd and, you know, just hateful things from Christians. Um, So I was just reading and reading and reading when we first found out just to understand what a gay person is feeling and um, how, you know, especially gay Christians or people seeking how they were handling the relationship 
with God and how um, they'd come to terms with where they needed to go with their walk. And so as a mom, I, I kind of wanted to understand um, that side of the story and not judge because, you know, pride is much worse <laughs> than being gay. So um, I, I would encourage parents to just read a lot and find resources and find support and love their kids. Wow. No, that's awesome. And um, yeah, I would, I would suggest um, I posted something on the Facebook group, um, a little biography of um, Rachel Held Evans, who was a Mm -hmm. female pastor who, um, you know, was pretty influential with just helping um, folks just kind of come to terms with who they are and, and she actually was part of a church, left the church because, you know, she she believed in just a different way of maybe like to your point, Josh, of like detoxing kind of from church and mm-hmm. just loving on people. And uh, and uh, there's this really great sort of like um, podcast. I, I think I posted in the group, too, that just sort of like talks about her life. She 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 died at the age of 37, had this like um, brain hemorrhage or something. Mm-hmm. And it's really tragic. But. Um, but yeah, I would suggest any listener out there to just, you know, get to know her story and kind of her impact. Um, she was a Christian who was, um, pretty, um, influential in the gay community and, you know, just touched a lot of people's lives. And I, and I, and I think that's, that's, you know, very important. You know, I think more Christians, you know, that can just like love people for who they are, doesn't matter. Like they're their sex, their gender, whatever, their struggle. Like I want to get to a point in my faith where somebody comes out to me and just says, Hey, this is kind of who I am. And I'm like, cool. You know, like, and, and then, and, and then like, that's it, you know, like doesn't have to be its big thing. Like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, like, it's just, it's just, Hey man, Hey, good for you. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. cause I don't, I don't have that struggle and I empathize anybody that does. And um, yeah, I think we can, we can all do better. So, well, thank you, Kelly, so much for sharing your story. It was powerful. Uh, we really appreciated you, um, just kind of being open. Um, I think it's going to be really helpful and, um, yeah, thanks again, Josh for, um, yeah, just being Josh. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks, Love <Will>. it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Faithful Politics Podcast, a product of FHNL Productions. For more information about the podcast or our hosts, please visit faithfulpoliticspodcast.com. There you'll find links to resources, blog posts, and information about Short Pump Community Church that Pastor Josh oversees. Also, you can keep the conversation going by looking for us on Twitter or Facebook and simply typing Faithful Politics Podcast in the search bar. Lastly, if you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and give the show a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again, and we hope that you continue to make strong arguments but build stronger relationships.